so a, a couple of weeks ago, I shared, I think it was on Father's Day, sort of beginning a series, right? As, as Greg said, Nathan's away for the summer. Our senior pastor, for those of you who are visiting, is, is away. And so we've been sort of cycling in different ones to, to teach and to share and um, love the point that Greg made that, right, we're, if we're built up around one man, um, it's not Nathan, right? I think, uh, you know, and, and, and he would he would probably echo and amplify the fact, right, that if we're built up around one man, if we're centered around one man, it's not him, it's, it's Christ that we're all built on and, and every joint and ligament supplying. And so we've all been sort of taking turns, filling in. And um, so I had a chance to share back in June about, uh, I didn't get super creative, God the Father on Father's Day, right? But talked about sort of one particular part of God the Father, about him being a provider, Right? But not necessarily in the way that we typically think about that. What I think about is I'm a dad, I have four kids. I, when I think about providing, I think about making sure that there's food and a warm place to be and you know, those sort of you know, needs being met. But that God has provided so, so much more beyond that. Right? That he provided, and, and Greg literally just said this, right? He's provided a way where there wasn't a way for us to have relationship with him, but not just any relationship with him, right? I, you and I, we have relationships with lots of different people, right? I have a relationship with my coworkers, with my boss. I have relationships with, right, people that we see at the store, right? I've got a relationship with the guy that owns the pizza, pizza place that I go and pick up pizza from, Right? That's not the sort of relationship that God the Father has provided for us, right? But he starts, and and we were in John, just to sort of jog your memory a little bit, here we were in John 3.16, a super familiar verse about God so loved the world that he sent Jesus that we might have eternal life, which is sort of mind-blowing in and of itself But later on in John 17, he defines for the disciples what eternal life is. He says, this is eternal life, that you would know me, God the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom I have sent. Right, that that's that's the way that he's provided. And all the way back at the beginning of, of the Gospel of John, his promise to us is that for as many as received him, to those who believe that provision... He's given us the right to be called children of God. But that relationship that we have with him is not a far off, it's not a, an acquaintance opportunity, it's an up-close father opportunity that he's provided for. And so the bottom line from that message a couple of weeks ago was that God the Father is a provider of sonship, of daughtership, through the submission of his only begotten son, Jesus. And the spirit of that son, which empowers us to call out, Abba, Father, as dearly loved children. And so today what I want to do is I want to sort of layer in what I would suggest is a, a, a next part, maybe not the next part, but the next part that I'm, I feel like God sort of opened up and this one's going to seem a little bit almost silly at first, but that, that God the Father, right, first and foremost a provider of making access for us to be sons, but God the Father as a parent, 
as a functioning parent. Not just a father in title, but a father in function. And those are two very different things. Amen? And I would honestly stand up here this morning and tell you, I, I believe, right, I find myself doing this, right? Maybe you do too, that when you pray, you pray and you say, Father, and we almost, right, we, it, it almost sort of rolls out of, our, out of our brain, it rolls off of our tongue without really fully connecting the weight that's attached to having God as our Father. Right? It just comes out. This is not where I'm going this morning, but it's not dissimilar from, right, Jesus the Christ. That's not just a title. There's a function built into that. There's a work that he's accomplishing as the Christ, a work that he has accomplished and a work that he is accomplishing and a work that's still yet to be accomplished, that we have a Father in heaven who has accomplished a work and is looking to still actively, even this morning, be accomplishing something in us will continue accomplishing that until he achieves the end that he's looking for. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And so today I want to, like I said, maybe this is, this is not rocket science, but I think it's one of those pieces. You know, Peter said to the church, he took pleasure in reminding people of things that they already knew. Right? This, is not, this is not new for many of you, but this is likely to be a little bit of a reminder that he's looking for far, far more than a title in our lives. There's a, in, in the Old Testament, in Proverbs, again, I think many of you have probably heard this, right? Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way she, he should go, right? And when he's old, when he's waxing older, he won't depart from it. There's a scripture in, in Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And, and probably one of my favorite ones, all the way back in Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children, fathers. Talk with them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not until very recently thought about that in the context of me being the child there, right? So as a dad, I've had those things prayed over me, right? Train up your child, right? Have those conversations when you sit, and when you talk, and when you walk. For us today, when you ride in the car, when you're text messaging, right? Those, those conversations that we're, that we're called to have. But I want to ask you a question this morning. How much more if, if that's God's direction to, to me and to others as earthly parents, how much more do you expect that our Heavenly Father is desiring to function Himself in the exact same way that He's commanding us to function? Like, is it not reasonable to believe that God would say, I'm going to train up my children in the way that they should go, in my way, 
that when they're old, they won't depart from it? That seems like you would, I, I almost had the picture this morning as I was doing final prep of like an older father, somebody who's been at this for a long, long time, sort of putting his arm around a younger father and saying, let me tell you how to do this. Like that's the picture throughout Scripture. And these verses in particular, God's commanding something to fathers that's already in his heart as a father that he's longing to do, something he's longing to function in in our lives as his children. So I don't care whether this morning, whether you're six or 36 or 66 or 106 or somewhere in between there, I honestly believe that the Lord's heart this morning for you is that he wants to train you up in the way that you should go. That as you wax older, that you won't depart from his ways. That God's heart this morning as a father is not to exasperate you, but to bring you up in the training of the Lord. Right? That his heart for you this morning is that whether you're coming or going, whether you're sitting at home or going out, that his heart is to have certain conversations with you about who he is and why he does things the way he does them. Right? What his plans and purposes are. Again, Jesus told us this, right? That I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. A father reveals his heart and his minds and his plans and his purposes to a children. Right? A boss doesn't do that. My pizza guy doesn't do that. Good friends don't always even do that. But, but a father who's trying to function in a particular way to train up a child does exactly those things. So I want to I look at a passage this morning and, and try to dive in a, a little bit more deeply here. And it's going to start I'm going to just warn you ahead of time before I even tell you where we're going. It's going to start with a word in there that is going to make at least some of us, maybe most of us, at least if you're in the, again, if you're anything like me, it's going to give you a moment of pause. It's going to give you a moment of, I'm not, I don't think I like that. So if you've got your Bible or an app or whatever, whatever your, whatever your version of the sword this morning, the word looks like, Pull it out and open up to Hebrews 12. And it's, it's interesting here, and, and I'm not going to go all the way back, but, but um, those of you guys who know me know I love Hebrews. A couple of you guys that we've done small group stuff going through this. This is like love, love, love for me. So, But going back, even a couple of chapters before where we're going to look today in Hebrews 12, the author is, there's this call to persevere in your faith, right? To continue on in this in this relationship that you started, right? That no matter what's coming, right? No matter, right, things are hard, things are, right, not exactly what you thought, there's this call to persevere, right? And if you go back into Hebrews 10, um, you know, a couple of chapters before that, right, the encouragement to persevere starts with this idea of drawing near to the Lord. It starts with the idea of, of continuing to meet together in, in community and fellowship, Right? It, it points out for an entire chapter in, verse, in chapter 11, this cloud of witnesses, this lineage, this heritage that we all have of people who persevered in their relationship with the Lord. And coming into chapter 12, he says, if, as if that's not enough, 
to continue to, to undergird you and give you strength to continue to persevere, at the beginning of chapter 12, he says, consider and fix your eyes on Jesus, right? the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Right? Keep running. Don't stop. But he starts to make a little bit of a turn here. And, and it's after that turn that I want to I spend a little bit of time this morning. And he's, he starts in verse 4, and I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to come back and, and try to break this apart a little bit more. So probably what I would say, three of the most powerful verses about right, fixing our eyes on Jesus and, and, and continuing to run. And he says, in your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your own blood, and you've forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And what you have here is the Lord speaking to his children. My son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What's the dirty word in that, par in that section of Scripture that no none of us would run towards generally. Yeah, discipline, right? Why? Because it feels painful. But I will tell you this morning that it's that disciplining, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but it's that disciplining that is the active functioning that the Father is longing to do in our lives. One of the problems is we don't understand that. We don't understand what that actually means because there's a twist that's happened for many of us in this concept of, of discipline and what that means. But I honestly believe this morning for God the Father as being more than a, a, a father in title that this is the work that he's looking to accomplish. And again, I don't care whether you're six or 36, or 66, or 106, or something in between, I believe that this is his heart for each one of us that, that have believed in who Jesus is, who have laid hold of that provision to be called children of God, that this applies to every single one of us. If you came and took from that table this morning, I believe that this applies to you. So why is this such a dirty word? Because we've confused or twisted the process that God uses, the child-rearing process, the chastening process, 
the conforming to his image process that God is going through with condemnation. Right? We've, we've mixed those two up. And the reality this morning is this active work that God's doing in our lives or seeks to be doing in our lives is not to condemn. Right? It's to conform. It's to make us more like him. And this is how I can say that to you confidently because if, again, go back up to the top of chapter 12, right? The condemnation, right? The judgment of God against sin, the wrath of God against sin has been satisfied through Christ. And so if you believe in that and you've accessed that provision as a child, that judgment and that wrath, that condemnation of sin, that's a settled issue at this point. That what this is talking about is on the other side of that. Now that you've been brought into the family, this is about God conforming sons and daughters into his image and his likeness and his character Folks who walk in his ways, right? Jules prayed this earlier, right? Lord, your ways are higher than our ways. It's about him saying, listen, let me bring you close and let me tell you a little bit about my ways. Verse 11 talks about this, sharing in his holiness, becoming like him. There's a lot of ways as a dad that I want my kids to become like me. There's a lot of ways I don't want them to become like me as well. Just cards on the table here. They seem to be picking up a little bit of both along the way here. God doesn't have that issue, right? He, he can say confidently, I want my sons and daughters to be like me. And I'm willing to work with them and in them and through them in order to accomplish that. That's what he's talking about here. That's what he's talking about in terms of disciplining those he loves. Right, that word discipline, when you look back at this, right, means to tutor to educate, to train. I don't know why. I love the word. It means chastening. I just love that word. I don't even know why, but it, instruction and nurturing. Right? This is not about taking out wrath on kids. That's not what he's talking about here. And so in verse 5, it says, you've forgotten that word of encouragement. This is from Proverbs 3. If, you don't, if your Bible doesn't have that cross-reference, this goes back to, all the way back to Proverbs 3. Again, if you go back and look at Proverbs 3, it's a chapter about a father conveying wisdom to his son. Right? Don't forget this. Right? Don't make light. Don't set aside. Don't ignore. Don't walk away from. I have a tendency to do that. Sometimes actively, but sometimes passively. I walk away from that. I set it aside, the training of the Lord, his parenting. Don't set that aside. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you. One of the conversations, we have it maybe slightly less now, but one of the conversations in our house is, well, why am I the only one getting in trouble, right? It was myself and X number of friends who were doing this thing. And what's the answer to that? I don't care. Those aren't my kids. I'm worried about you. So the Lord's saying, listen, I love you too much to let that keep happening. 
I love you too much to let you keep walking in that. I love you too much to not sit down and have a hard conversation with you about this thing, right? I love you too much not to work all things together for your good, even if it's not circumstances that you would pick for yourself. I love you too much to let you keep going because you're my child. Because the Lord trains up and equips and nurtures and tutors those he loves. God's going to work. He's going to correct us. He's going to, by his Holy Spirit, convict us and convince us and lead us into all truth. He's going to do that. As long as we're willing to not set it aside. Right? That's, the, that's the call here. Don't set it aside. If you feel like you're in that place, if God, if you feel like, Lord, why, like, it's a, it tells us in the word right here. That's not a sign of judgment. It's not a sign of condemnation. It's not a sign. You, you get it. You get to peel back the curtain here and see the heart motivation of God, of why he does what he does, why he parents the way that he parents. It's because he loves us. That word is literally, again, some of you are going to be familiar with this, that word agape, right? Unconditional, right? Never-ending, sacrificial love. That's the heart motivation behind God disciplining, teaching, training, equipping his children. And I love the fact that down in, in starting in verse 7, right, the author here says, this is not always easy. Right? Mine says, I'm, I've got an NIV, this is what I'm sharing out of, endure hardship as discipline. Right? The, probably the better way of saying this is, when you're being disciplined, endure it even when it's hard. Right? God's treating you as sons. Right, right now, looking over to the side here, two of my sons are here. Right? I can think of examples for both of them right, right now, actively in their lives, where we're putting them, Jules and I as parents, are putting them in situations where we know it's hard for them. Right? There's a chance they're going to fail at some of the things that they're doing. Right? Are you guys okay if I share just for... You don't know where this is going, but are you okay if I... Right? So I'll give you an example. Noah's, Noah's got to keep thinking about it. Josiah gave me a green light. So, right, Josiah is 15, right? He's getting bigger, like, by the day, eating us out of house and home. He's getting bigger, right? He's 15. Over, this, over the course of this spring, we let him, encouraged him. He's been playing soccer at, with a U19 team, right? So under 19. So he's 15 years old. He's playing against guys that are four years older than him. Some of those guys are bigger than me. They're all faster than me. Most of them are stronger than me, right? He's getting bumped around out there, right? He's getting knocked over. He's getting beat up a little bit, right? It is hard, right? right? When he plays at the U15 level with his normal team, right, it's a little bit easier, right? We can sort of go around guys, and we're intentionally putting him in an environment that's going to be hard, knowing that it's training him up towards a bigger end goal down the line. Right? He wants to play in college. I said, you want to play in college and start playing against guys who look like college guys? Some of them are. It is hard. Right? He's bruised and battered, and you know what? He keeps going back game after game. Because right? he knows what the purpose behind it is. Right? Noah's been training for years and years and years. He does Taekwondo. Right? He's been training, started out as a white belt, 
Right? He's been working his way up. He's on the cusp of becoming a, a black belt in Taekwondo. That is hard. Hard. Right? And he's like, Dad, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Right? This is really hard. And so the conversation that we've been having recently is, I'm sorry, bud, you cannot quit. I will not allow you to do that. He doesn't like that answer. It's hard. But here's what I know is a couple of months out from now when he, when he tests and he earns that, that on the other side of that, right, there's going to be something that right now he can't see. And so we continue to put him in a place of saying, you know what? I know this is hard, right? Physically, again, you're getting beat up. There's tears. There's all of those, right? Sometimes him, sometimes me, sometimes Jules, right? There's one of us is beat up, one of us is crying. I don't. But we know that on the other side of that, right, it doesn't, it's training that doesn't seem pleasant at the time, but at the end of that, it's going to yield something that in the moment we just lose sight of. God is saying the same thing. I'm training you for something that maybe you don't completely understand, you can't see to the other side of, but right now, I am working something in you that is, that is part of this process of conforming you to my character and my nature, my image. And I love you too much to let you bail out. I love you too much to say, okay, I'm going to let you out early. He will keep you in that place to accomplish what he's looking to accomplish. Sometimes it's health, sometimes it's house, sometimes it's job, sometimes it's relationship, right? He's using all of those things. This is what he's talking about in Romans 8 where he says, I'm going to work all things together for your good because I love you. And in a lot of ways, I think because I'm right, a middle-aged guy that, that I'm in a different place than my teenage sons, I am not. And truth be told, neither are any of you. Right? There's something that God's working at that's just beyond what you can see easily. And his call this morning is, just hang in there. I want to bring you close, and I want to teach you and train you. I want to bring you up in my ways so that as you grow older, you're not going to walk away from this. You're not going to depart from this, that you're going to continue on in this thing that I've trained you in. He's not paying back some sort of debt. Right? Jesus has already done that. He's building into us. He's equipping us. I love in verse 7, the second part of this, right? Endure hardship. What son is not disciplined by his father? I'm going to tell you this morning, I don't care what your standard, what your measuring stick is that you would use to say, right, Mike is the best son, Right? or Carolyn is the best daughter. I don't care what measuring stick you would use. Like, man, the, the guy is just so spiritually so far in advance, or that gal is so spiritually advanced. Right? What verse 7 says is, every son, every daughter needs discipline. I don't care what criteria you use. I don't care if you've been doing this for 50 years or a hot minute. 
If you're a son or a daughter, you need the parenting of God teaching and training and equipping you in your life. And you're going to for the rest of this journey. Best or not. I got ahead of myself. Right the, In verse 8, verse 9, it talks about human fathers who are doing the best that they can. Listen, I don't know if putting Saya with you 19 kids, I don't know if that's the best way to do this. I think it is. Maybe it's not. I, do, I don't know. Right? Forcing Noah to go and get beat up three times a week. Maybe that's not the best way to do this. I, I'm doing the best that I can, right, to teach and train and equip. Some of you guys as parents, as aunts, as grandparents, you're in the same boat. Like, I'm just trying to figure this out the best that I can. God is not limited the way that we are limited. He knows exactly what's for our good. He knows exactly how to accomplish it. There's not a chance that he's missing something in doing, in, in teaching and training and equipping and parenting you the way that he is. He is not missing one detail in the manner in which he's going about that. Not one. You may think he is, but again, you can't see to the other side of this. Right? Verse 10, I'm winding down here. God disciplines us for our good that we can share in his holiness. If, if you knew that on the other side of where God has you right now that you were going to be more like him, like in the heat of the battle, if you pause long enough to think about that, would you stay in a little bit longer? Right, we sang about this. Right, when I'm in the fire, right, I'll keep going because I know that you're in there too. Right, if you could, if you in the moment when, when things are just coming apart at the seams, if you knew that God was using that to make you more like him, to make you more holy, would that give you a moment of pause and say, I'm not going to jump out early? Probably. You know what the reality is? It's really hard in the heat of the moment to remember that. That's why he says up at the beginning in verse 5, you have forgotten the encouragement of the Lord. As we've got to remind ourselves and remind each other, right? he's for us and not against us. This morning, if you're in a place that's like, Lord, what? he's for you and not against you. Somebody, somebody here needs to know that this morning. He is for you and not against against you because he loves you and whatever comes up whatever circumstances are coming up he's going to use those because he's actively looking to make you more like him that you would share in his holiness that you would become like him that we would be the idea here is that we would be character bearers image bearers which was the design from the beginning go back and read genesis we were created in the image of God. It doesn't just mean outward appearance. It means the character and nature. We were created with the character and nature of God. That his work is to restore that, to redeem that in us, and to, to bring that back to the forefront. He does it as a loving father. Why? Not just that we would be like him to share, but later on, on the other side of all of this, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. 
there's sort of a progression in this. God is actively parenting so that we can be partakers. That he can bring forth in us a harvest. Right? That he can bring forth righteousness in us. That he can bring forth peace in us. That he can bring forth his character and his nature and his image in each one of us. And so I'm going to ask uh, the worship team if you guys will, will come back up. But as they do, I just want to share this. Right, Just as God provided a way to more than just eternal life, it's not just about life forever. It's about life forever in relationship with him. That just as he provided more than that, he's looking for more than just a title father. Right? A true father, an active father in your life, teaching, training, equipping, conforming to his character and likeness. And so this morning, if you're in that place of, I don't like, I don't like this process, right? I want to encourage you to, to just know that he's, he's doing what he's doing, the way he's doing it, for the length of time that he's doing it, because he loves you, because he loves you. And in the heat of the battle, right, to be rooted and grounded in that reality, not as a punishment, not as a condemnation, right? not as a putting you in your place. He's working in you. He's accomplishing something in you. Right? Don't set it aside. So as we worship here, tell him, Lord, this is harder than I want it to be. I don't like this. But I would encourage you, even, even after that thought, right, just as we said earlier, when I surrender, I trust you more than I trust myself to know where this is going and the best way to get there. Lord, we recognize your goodness this morning in our lives. Lord, in the midst of, of the hard place, in the midst of the uncomfortable place, Lord, even, even in, the, in the midst of the place where we feel like we're doing all right, where we're, where we're having success, where we're growing, Lord, we recognize your goodness this morning in our lives. Lord, we recognize, Lord, and, and, and see clearly today your heart motivation towards us. Lord, is rooted and grounded in a love that we're probably never going to fully understand. But Lord, from where we're at, our cry to you today is, Lord, continue the work. We want to be like our Father. Lord, make us more like you. Lord, your character and your nature in us. Lord, your ways and our ways. Lord, your thoughts and our thoughts. Lord, continue that work. Lord, we don't want to set that aside. Lord, thanks that even when we do, that your goodness runs after us. Lord, we bless you. Father, we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.